Oftentimes, the most unfortunate part of all of it is we are accepting our symptoms as being normal, and they're literally not normal at all, and they're not at all what we need to be settling for. If we want to embrace the responsibility of the human experience and becoming the best version of yourself you possibly can, we do need to be taking this integrated look at what's going on in our bodies and how we can really show up for ourselves more. When we're on birth control, our body biologically thinks, and now I'm just looking for a friend. So your body's compatibility like receptors are like shut down. My name's Mimi Bouchard, founder of Superhuman, the transformational app that helps you become your future self so that you can finally start attracting more joy, abundance, health, wealth, and love into your life. And that's also my mission on this podcast. Meet people whose lives have been transformed in big and small ways, but always for the better. They tell me how they did it so that you can too. Rachel, welcome to the Mimi podcast. You are a hormone specialist and coach who helps women holistically, including myself. We have had many sessions together. Before anything, I want you to explain to the audience what holistic hormone health means to you. So what I would say for holistic hormone health is considering the body as a whole. So that's really what holistic means, right? So what does it mean when it comes to hormones? I think there's a lot of women in the hormone coaching space that are amazing and lovely. However, I do think that one missing component is the emotional and energetic component of hormone healing. And that's really something that I tie into my practice that makes it really unique. Because in Eastern medicine, for thousands of years, we have known that each meridian within the body also carries a specific emotion. So a lot of the times, especially as women, as such multidimensional beings, unfortunately, when we look at our hormone health, we can often be fit into this like two-dimensional box, which is just not going to work for us. That's not the way we were created at all. So addressing the emotions as well and the way that they interplay between our physical symptoms is really paramount because if we don't address the underlying messaging from which our physical expression could be originating itself from, it can really just keep perpetuating out in different pathways. So it's like maybe you heal your skin, but then, you know, maybe your period gets worse or Whatever really that physical expression is, addressing as well the emotional root cause is something that makes my practice very unique and also something that I would include in the holistic realm of healing hormones. That's an incredible description. Thank you for laying that all out. What initially sparked your interest in hormones? Was there a specific event or realization that guided you into this line of work? Yeah, awesome question. It's, it's because it's my own story. So I was actually diagnosed with endometriosis when I was honestly really young. I was in like high school simply for the reason that I had really bad periods, like awful. I had to take a week off of life basically and just be in like the fetal position and popping Advil. And it also really struggled with hormonal acne for a really, really long time. And very similar experience in the Western medicine world. Like I tried everything using air quotes. Like I thought that I was doing everything correct. You know, I was eating well, I was eating healthy. I was like doing all the things. I tried all the band-aid fixes, like you name it. I've tried it and nothing was really working. And that's really where I started diving into all of this. And it wasn't really originally from the place of wanting to help other women. I was just like trying to figure out my own health and my own life and like what was going on. And I just knew in my body, I was like, this can't be like this. Like there has to be other solutions for women rather than just slapping a label on what I'm experiencing, taking some pills and like moving on with life. Like I am worthy of more. And I knew in my body that that was true. 
So that's really what dove me into all the research that I now get to share with everyone and all the healing modalities that I now get to share with everyone. So very much rooted in Eastern medicine, as well as, like I said, the emotional energetic components of healing, which really ties into, I have a certification in hypnotherapy as well. So making sure that we're really addressing the subliminal messages, the subconscious messages that create the reality that we live in. So when you started fixing your own hormones, how quickly were you able to start seeing and feeling results? That's such a good question. And I think it's also really in alignment with like what I was learning. So I feel like I would get a certain point and then like heal and like plateau. And then I was like, okay, there has to be something that I'm missing. And then again, plateau. So that's really, like I said, where the holistic concept comes in is like with my own journey is because I would kind of like take steps forward and then I'd be like, okay, wait, like it has to get better. It can get better than this. I know it can get better than this. And then like keep kind of moving forward, learning more information. And then now I would say most of the time when women come to me with imbalanced hormones, honestly, a solid like three to six months. Wow. And what percentage of women do you think struggle with hormonal imbalance and how do you self-diagnose? Like, tell me what symptoms, what hints there are for someone listening that has never been to a hormone specialist doctor. How do they know they have hormone imbalances? Yeah. Awesome question. So for your first question, how many women struggle with hormone imbalance? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I would honestly say probably like 80% if I had to guess in my head. And I think a lot of it is because your second question was like, we don't really know what that even means. It's just this fancy term that we're all just like, okay, do we have to get our blood tested? Like, what is the deal? How do we know if we have hormone imbalance? And oftentimes the most unfortunate part of all of it is we are accepting our symptoms as being normal and they're literally not normal at all. And they're not at all what we need to be settling for. And one of the reasons we accept it as being normal is because as women, especially, we are such like community beings. And so we come to our community, we come to our girlfriends and we're like, oh, yeah, I have acne. I'm on my period. Or, you know, I feel like I'm a lunatic when I'm on my period. And our girlfriends are like, me too. And then all of a sudden we are like, oh, yeah, I don't have hormone imbalance. Like this is just part of being a woman. And my biggest newsflash is that is not a part of being a woman at all. It's something that our society has integrated as being normal. That's absolutely not normal. So so many symptoms could be from hormone imbalance. I would say the most common ones that people think are normal. I think those are the most important ones to focus on here because, you know, PCOS, endometriosis, fibroid cysts, those are all kind of, if we have those, we know that we have hormone imbalance. But there's certain things like acne, hair loss, low energy, really hard to get out of bed in the morning. And then when you get out of the bed, you're exhausted all day. And then right before you go to bed, you're like, have so much energy. That's a huge sign of hormonal imbalance, not being hungry in the morning, really just being in this high stress. So stubborn body weight is very much a normalized symptom of hormone imbalance as well. There's so many different things. But a lot of the times, like I said, the hardest part is there are things that our society is trying to encourage us to think is normal and it's absolutely not normal. So I think it's really, really good to reflect on your life and how you're feeling in your body. And if there's anything that feels off as a woman, it's most likely going to be related to your hormones. But it's just most important to take yourself responsibility because we get to create the life that we're living in. We get to create the experience we have in our body. And there's no reason to settle for less when we have this one precious life, right? Amen. You're preaching to the choir here. So you address symptoms like acne, anxiety, hair loss, like you mentioned, as indicators of deeper issues. Yeah. How do you approach finding the root cause? And for example, when we started working together earlier this year, 
you immediately clocked that I had a liver imbalance. So how do you figure that out? Yeah. It's not like you can go inspect my liver, you know? So tell me how you do this. Exactly. Yes. I will explain it to you. So it's in my assessment. So every single new client that I onboard, I have them fill out a assessment form that is very long. And I feel like when you're filling it out, you're probably like, hmm, like these are weird questions. Like what does this even have to do with? And also they are like structured together so that I can start to develop a pattern and a picture of what's going on in your body. So each meridian within the body. So for your example, the liver, which is most related to hormone imbalance. So that's really the most common pathway that I speak to women about every single week. So that being said, there are certain expressions within the liver that are showing that that's where your specific imbalance is. So it's more about the frequency of your symptoms and the severity of the symptoms that are surrounding that specific meridian. So one of the reasons why I really don't, and I know we kind of talked about this when we were together, encourage blood testing specifically for hormones is because it's not reliable for hormones. I, in a past lifetime, used to work in a lab as a toxicologist. And there's certain tests that they have little asterisks on them that are just like, this is not very reliable indication of what's going on in your body. And the thing about hormone testing is it depends on so many things. So if I went and go, I, I get my blood drawn right now. If I'm super stressed about needles, for example, my cortisol is going to be high. And then I'm going to be walking around thinking there's something severely wrong with me when no, it was just really the like 15 minutes leading up to my appointment that I was like super stressed about the needle. <laughs> and it affected my results thinking that I have an actual serious problem. And also, I mean, there's so many other factors that really affect blood tests. For example, eating, not eating, being stressed that day, what's going on in your life. You know, there's so many different things that can really impact how the results come out. And that's not real life. Like we need to really look at how our body's expressing itself. And I think that's one of the things that's really missing in our modern Western diagnoses is what is the body physically saying? You know, we can look at blood tests all day. But what is your body expressing? And we need to stop ignoring that because that really just perpetuates the normalization of imbalance within the body and the normalization of symptoms that women and everyone are like, uh, I know this isn't normal. Like, I know that I can have more than this. So one of my favorite conversations that we've had had to do with how me in a relationship, I was not in my feminine energy enough and that could have been contributing to my hormone imbalance. Mm -hmm. I'd love to dive into this and feel free to share with the audience whatever we found in our work together. I'm very open. You know, to break that down, you talk about being more in your feminine to help with hormonal imbalance. Dive into this. How does this dynamic play out, especially in relationships and a strong woman? A lot of your clients are business owners, overachieving women. Tell me all about this. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you brought this up because I remember that exact conversation too, because it was so potent, first of all, and I'm sure it's transformed your life. So I'm excited to hear about how that's been since we chatted about it. And then also it's something I talk to all my clients about, because like you said, almost everyone, if not everyone I work with has their own business. They are like high achieving women, very, very driven. And one of the things that comes with that, I speaking from experience, is when we come home after work, which is normally we're working from home, right? But then as we clock out of work, we check out mentally, we're still like physically and mentally like in work because it's your own business, right? And so it's really, really hard to transition over. So then maybe you're like in the kitchen with your partner and you're kind of like the boss again, like all day, like not taking your boss shoes off at all. So basically the way that it affects your hormones is it just puts us in this really, really abnormally high cortisol response. So allowing ourselves to really be held within our business 
can really, really help your hormones. Allowing yourself to really lean back and be held by your partner at the end of the day is going to allow you to really shift in the parasympathetic state, which is going to help your cortisol because this high cortisol, which is associated with high stress, puts progesterone really low and it raises your estrogen. And that is the most common hormonal imbalance is high estrogen, low progesterone. So really it's all very much connected. So when I talk about allowing yourself to be held at work, I'm sure you understand this better than most people, Mimi, staff, hiring staff to allow you to feel held, allow you to work on your house project you're working on right now, allow you to spend time with your new puppy and your fiance and enjoy life more, you know, go on walks, go to workouts, do things so that you're hiring things out to allow yourself to feel held and contained by your people. Same thing with relationship, but that one requires a lot more work because we are so used to our person, right? And it can be very, very easy to take the stress from the day and like continue it on in your romantic relationship, but it affects everything in your romantic relationship, right? It affects your sex life. It affects how you perceive your man, which affects your happiness because especially as women, we put so much of our happiness onto our relationships and it's very much primal, but it can just be very, very taxing on the relationship to treat your man like he's your staff. Yeah. You know, I forget exactly how you said it, but you suggested that I actually, for a little bit of time, stopped giving Ben my opinion (laughs) on things that didn't matter. Yes. And I actually did that for a while. I've started to a little bit more now because we are renovating a house together and I'm designing everything and he's project managing everything. So my opinion cannot, you know, completely be gone during this time. But it is a very good piece of advice. Obviously, we want to be able to be open to it with our partners and it's maybe not like an incredibly long-term thing, but just in general, reducing the amount of trying to control and trying to give an opinion that doesn't matter. So for example, you know, if Ben is trying to figure something out and like he should just be doing it a different way, maybe I let him figure it out for himself. I really have stopped coming in and taking control as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm not perfect. We have our moments. We have our days. Yeah. And it's it's really hard because like a lot of women like me, and I don't know what, what your partner, his personality is, but we are such bold, strong, ambitious women that a lot of the time, like the men that we choose aren't always the same. You know, they're, they're a little bit more grounded and like calm. And, you know, Ben is very grounding and calm and is happy for me to take the lead on a lot of things which I love, but I hate at the same time because like I want to be more in my feminine. So it's definitely been a thing in our relationship that we've been working on. And I have to tell him, like even this morning I told him, I'm like, I need you to take control with this a bit more because I'm exhausted. And it does put you more in your feminine immediately. And I want to be, you know, taken care of with him. Like I want to be that that little girl that's like, you know, I don't want to be the boss. I don't want to be constantly, you know, in, in control of everything. So there's definitely a tug of war between being a doer in a relationship and allowing your partner to express more of their masculine energy. And the other thing you told me once was like, I need to give him space to step into his masculine more in the relationship. Like I have to not push so much, like give him that space and he'll do it. He's a masculine guy, you know, but yeah, so it's so common. And what other tips do you have? Like in that same vein, don't give your opinion as much or tell me more like actionable tips. Yes. Don't give your opinion as much as a big one. And it's not about not using your voice as a woman. It's just like Mimi said, it's all about really a posturing of the heart. 
So it's allowing your nervous system to expand into the possibility that the way that he's doing things isn't wrong and it's not really right either. It's just a different way of doing things. So knowing kind of when to speak up and be like, oh, hey, actually it would mean a lot to me if blah, blah, blah. Or if it's something so minor, like loading the dishwasher in a different way than you would or like something so small where you're just like, how can you learn to expand your body to hold the sensation of something being different than the way that maybe you want it to be? Or holding your nervous system to the point where you can be like, oh, wow, maybe that's actually a better way to do it. Because in that way, we really honor him and energetically we're like allowing for him to exist. Because kind of like you said, if we are always watching like what they're doing and being like, like I wouldn't do it that way and just like barking like commands or you know, corrections all the time, after a while, they're start going to not want to step up and try because why would they, right? Like if we think about that dynamic in like a home with like a mom and a child of like, you know, I feel like that's something I experienced. I'm sure there's so many women that experience that as well. I was like trying to do something in the kitchen and your mom would be like right behind you, like cleaning up whatever you were doing. because She's like, oh, you're doing it wrong. After a while, you stop wanting to try because you're just like, there's no point. She's going to be doing it anyways. So why would I be doing this? And then you kind of create a man in your life, contrary to their design, that is not leading because they're like, why would I do that? Like if I do X, Y, Z, if I like try and clean, let's say she's just going to come right behind me and clean anyway. So it actually creates double the work. So all it is is, and I know it sounds hard and easy at the same time, is reposturing your heart reposturing your nervous system to consider a different possibility and to really extend grace because men used to go to battle for women. Men used to be so inspired by women, by this like muse archetype of a woman that they would literally do anything. And now again and again, especially with these high powered women convos that I've been having with my clients is they're like, when we first started dating, he really, you know, pursued me and he really put in a lot of effort and leadership And now he's like really, really stepped back. And I feel like I am like the CEO of my business and of our relationship. And I think there's 50-50 responsibility. I think as women, we need to start realizing the impacts that we are bringing into our relationship, especially when we are like the CEO of business. And then we come into our relationship at the end of the day, like telling your man like exactly what to do, like being very critical and having a critical spirit and really just working on that reposturing. How can we reposture our heart to consider a different alternative? Sitting back instead of being reactive. Again, this is all nervous system work here. Sitting back instead of being reactive, allowing yourself to hold the sensation and sort of the dichotomy of your way versus his way and allow it to be okay and really, really sit with your sensation in that moment, have the self-responsibility. And then if it's something that's a major issue for you and you have a moment to reflect on it, maybe you bring it up later at the end of the day, the next day, and just in a really sweet way, again, making sure we're taking responsibility for our heart posturing when we come to him and saying, you know, hey, baby, it would be so attractive to me if next time this happened, you would do this. I would just love that. That would just be, that would feel so good for me and my body. It would really allow me to relax. I mean, that's just going to, that's going to help tremendously. So it's really just the way we're communicating. And again, just our nervous system and the way that our heart is coming into situations. Mm. So what I'm gathering here is that a lot of women take the mothering role, take the nagging role, take the I'm in control role in their relationships. And I've been there. (laughs) So, you know, not pointing any fingers, but this is bad for your hormones. And it's against our design as women in our femininity. Is this what? Yes. 100%. Yeah. It's mean mommy archetype. No one wants that. 
Yeah. So I want to shift gears here. You talk about the dangers of hormonal birth control, and I really want to talk about this with you. Many women, most women rely on some sort of hormonal birth control, and they don't understand the effects on the body because Western medicine will tell you it's fine. Have acne? Get on the pill. It'll help. Or, you know, it's really become so normalized in our world. And I want you to touch on this because it's so important. Totally. Okay. So, so many things to say. I have so much to share. I will share as much as I can. Basically, when we're on hormonal birth control, like I mentioned earlier, it really does raise our estrogen super high and it lowers our progesterone super, super low. So there's so many side effects on the most extreme end. There's been so many studies that have proven that breast cancer is very much related to birth control and a lot of other cancers, inflammation as well. In addition to that, it literally affects who we are attracted to. I'm sure you've heard about this, but there's been lots of studies on this exact phenomenon because it really affects our sense of smell and our availability to find the right man. Which what I mean by that is, and it makes complete sense when I kind of dive into it a little bit more here, but when we're on birth control, our body biologically thinks, oh, I don't need to get pregnant. I've already probably had my babies and now I'm just looking for a friend. So your body's compatibility like receptors are like shut down. You're just looking for friends at that point. So there's so many women that I've spoken to who had like maybe met a man when they were on birth control had a really long-term relationship and then they got off birth control and then they were like, wait, I'm not even attracted to you. And this is happening so much in marriages where women will be on birth control. Like this is the story, right? Women will be on birth control when they meet their person and then, you know, they fall in love, get married. And then right before they go to have babies, they get off birth control. And so there's a story I've heard so many times in my DMs, in client stories, in stories just from doing my research of women just being like, wait, like I'm not even really that attracted to you anymore. No wonder why we have so many divorce rates, right? The divorce rate is getting so high. I really do not think that is not related to birth control at all. I think it has very much correlation. I've experienced this in my own life. When I was younger and I was on birth control, I was on an IUD, so hormonal IUD. And I dated a guy for like four years, a long time. And got off birth control because of I had some like health stuff and I was like oh I just want to get rid of birth control you know we'll just see how I feel and I was like I don't know what's happening but I'm like legit not attracted to you that is insane can you ever not have an attraction shift like I actually started dating Ben when I was on hormonal birth control and I haven't obviously had that happen so is it Yes. So, I mean, that's just like chance, right? That's like luck of the draw sort of situation. It's like, it's not going to force you to like pick someone who you're not compatible with. I would say there's a likelihood that you could still be very compatible and biologically match with the person that you were attracted to when you were on birth control. It just increases the likelihood of you choosing the wrong partner. So hopefully that makes sense. It affects your biology so much. Right. That you're, you don't have that added sense. So if anything, you just have less sense to choose your person. But in your circumstance, sounds like you chose your person and it worked out. You know what I mean? Like you still like have the spice with him and the, in the vibes and the biological compatibility because you wouldn't be here right now probably <laughs> with him if you weren't is the reality of it. So really it just like dims your senses. And we really were given so many senses as women to choose our partner because that's not something really that men have. They don't really have that ability within them to choose their biological mate with like their sense of smell. And that's why it affects women when we're on birth control instead of men. So let's talk about the other disadvantages of hormonal birth control, what it does to you. 
Yeah. So like I said, it really just causes a lot of inflammation within the body. It's definitely a band-aid fix. I think that's something that's important to recognize as well for all the women who are listening and are like, oh, but Rachel, like it helps with my acne or it helps with my cramps. There is so many things that can help with your acne or cramps and not just help, but like heal them, heal them at the root. So I think, again, it's just something that in our culture we're slapping on. We're just like, the reason why I went on birth control when I was younger is my doctor was like, oh, you have endometriosis, which I did not. I have like the most easy periods ever now. I just had to heal my hormones. So they were like, okay, you have endometriosis because you have bad periods. So labeled me and then like put me on birth control and they were like sent me on my way. And I didn't know better, you know? So I was like, okay, I'm on birth control, whatever. It's a band-aid fix. The second I got off birth control, my bad periods came back. Wow. So let's talk about the holistic alternatives to birth control because obviously we need to have birth control if we don't want children and we're actively having sex. So talk to me a bit about those. Yes. So I would say my top recommendation and something that I teach to my clients is the fertility awareness method. It's very much talked about when women are trying to get pregnant, but you don't need to be using it when you're just trying to get pregnant. You can be using it all the time as a means of birth control. So essentially what is entailed in that is body awareness, which is also it makes it really special and a reason why I would honestly encourage every woman to be doing it because you get to be more in touch with your magic as a woman and more embodied in your magic as a woman and really start to understand your seasons of your cycle. So all those reasons aside, also, like I said, really helps you to track when you're fertile so that you don't get pregnant when you don't want to, or you get pregnant when you do want to. So basically all you have to do is wake up in the morning before you go to the bathroom, before you drink water or anything, and you take your temperature, basal body temperature is what it's called. And then you can track it yourself if you want. However, you can also do it through an app. There also is a lot of different devices you can use now. I like the Daisy. That's what I use personally. And basically, it's just like this small little like algorithm, like thermometer. And like you just take your temperature and in the morning, it'll be like red if you're fertile. So it'll be like, don't have sex. And then if it's green, it's like, oh, you're you're fine. And then if it's yellow, it, that's when it's like, like we hit a red flag in the algorithm as far as like maybe you have a fever Maybe you got up at a different time than normal so that you can really make sure that you are taking, you know, accountability for where your body's at. But the cool thing is, like I said, too, it like builds that relationship with your body where we start to trust ourselves again because, oh, my gosh, the self-trust that is damaged when you go on something like birth control is severe. Absolutely. So on the green days where you can have sex, can you have full sex you know, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you can definitely read about it more on my website. I talk about fertility awareness method as well as through different things like the Daisy. However, it's like 98% effective, which is the same as birth control. You know what I mean? Like if you are comfortable doing the whole shebang when you're on birth control, you're going to be just as comfortable this way. So everyone obviously can make their own important decisions. Nothing's 100% ever. My nephew was conceived with birth control and with a condom. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, if it's God's plan for a baby to be born, I think it just kind of happens. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is so crazy. Yeah. I've been lucky and I haven't had any scares and I'm obviously not on hormonal birth control. I don't even do the temperature thing though. I have like the flow app, but you know, we just don't get to the finish line inside <laughs> I'm trying to keep it kind of PG here. But, but yeah, no. Sports analogies. Yeah, exactly. Okay, tell me if this sounds like you. 
After a beautiful long day of eating healthy foods at night, you cannot kick this chocolate craving. This is me pretty much every night. And when I have this craving, I do not ignore it. I definitely bask in it. And my favorite healthy way to enjoy something chocolatey in the evenings actually has a benefit for my sleep. And I'm gonna tell you what this product is. Organifi's chocolate gold drink. It is basically an adult hot chocolate. It is full of adaptogens. It barely has any sugar. It's low calorie. It tastes pretty darn incredible and very, very close to the real thing. You know those hot chocolate packets you got as a kid with the little fake marshmallows? It kind of tastes like that. And it has so many incredible adaptogenic ingredients in there that are proven to help you sleep and wind down. So it's kind of a win-win. I get to wind down and have my a little chocolate kick. And I'm gonna give you a pro hack here with the Organifi chocolate gold drink. Put some hot water in there and then add a big dash of some sort of like oat milk or plant milk that you have, or even real milk if you roll that way. No judgment here, but just enjoy it because it literally brings you back to real hot chocolate and it just tastes so darn good. And every single ingredient on that list is so good for you. There's no gross filler stuff. Organifi is one of those brands that just really values quality and I love that. That's what I like to put in my body. So if you would like to get 20% off and try Organifi's chocolate gold drink and any of their other products, head to Organifi.com forward slash Mimi and get 20% off your entire order if you use the code Mimi at checkout. That is Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Mimi and take advantage of the 20% off offer that they are offering all of my listeners. Pop in Mimi at checkout and you'll get that big discount on anything from their website, including sale items. They also offer a money back guarantee. So go check it out and let's get back to today's episode. I'd love to dive in briefly in, into your philosophy with nutrition and food because this is such a big part of your work as well. It obviously has so much to do with hormone health. Tell me your dietary principles for ultimate hormone balancing. Yes, absolutely. So the most important thing is eating something, eating a balanced meal within 30 minutes to an hour of waking up. That is number one. I cannot emphasize that enough. And I also can't emphasize how much if you are a ambitious girly, you probably do not wake up hungry. That does not get you a gold star. <laughs> that does not mean that you don't get to eat food. It means that you're in a high stress response. So really one of the best things you can do if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, I want to start working on healing my hormones is eating a balanced breakfast within 30 minutes to an hour of waking up because it really helps with stabilizing your cortisol. It honestly helps with so many things. There's been a lot of studies that have even shown that if you eat within 30 minutes to an hour of waking up, especially a balanced meal, so a meal that contains a carb, fat, and a protein, you're less likely to have sugar cravings throughout the day. You're less likely to reach for something that wasn't intentional. So you're just more likely to make better and more aligned food choices all day if you have just a really healthy breakfast when you wake up. So that's definitely my first tip. Kind of on that same wave of blood sugar balance, making sure that you're eating enough throughout the day. So I am like a four meals a day kind of girl, but I also work with clients who are more like five meals a day types girls. So Whatever works best for you is amazing. I think a lot of that is really pertained to your lifestyle and work and stuff like that, what works for you. But just making sure that you have that stabilization because if you are waiting a long time before you're eating, your like energy is gonna be like crashing and rising, crashing and rising. So really trying to keep things as stable as possible. Biologically speaking, women are 
this like foragers, like foragers, right? Like biologically. So if we even think about like primal situation where like the man is like hunting or whatever he's doing and we're like at home taking care of the kids and like gathering, you're going to be snacking more throughout the day. So I definitely recommend smaller meals throughout the day rather than, you know, like two big meals. And that was me a long time ago when I was my boss babe era. I was having like two big meals a day and fasting in the morning and working out too much, all the things that we are told we're even celebrated for. However, that's very much like a masculine way of living, masculine way of handling nutrition. And I think for their nervous systems, for their hormones, that would be absolutely fine. But for women, we're just operating under a different lens. So very important to honor that. So those are two things right there. And then definitely my third and biggest, along with the others, tips is having enough protein. That is huge. Lots of protein is key for hormone balance. The amount of women who have been missing a period, especially, and then start consuming enough protein and it's back, or maybe for some women that even means going back to eating meat and it's back is absurd. There's so many women like that. But that being said, I'm definitely a meat eater. And that's what I encourage my ladies to do, mostly because of like realistic reasons of, hey, we need enough protein and we need a protein profile that is dynamic enough to really, really nurture our bodies. And it can be really hard to do that with beans and legumes. So definitely encourage women to eat meat. Yeah, that's great. And then you also discourage smoothies, salads. Talk to me about that because everyone thinks a smoothie and a salad is so healthy. And I know. Let's be real. I am not perfect at this because I still love my smoothies. And I that's okay. But tell me why you don't like people eating that. Absolutely. So this really ties back to Eastern medicine and Chinese medicine, where even if we go over to, you know, India, Southeast Asia, I lived in Southeast Asia for a while and you don't see people eating salads who are local. They're having like warm rice, curry, soups, like broths, a lot more like warming foods. And to us in the Western world, it's like, what the heck? Like it's hot outside. Don't you want to have like something icy and like cold? But really, it's shocking for the stomach. It's very, very shocking to the spleen meridian, which is our stomach meridian, really the place where our digestive fire sits. So if we are, I think we'll use this smoothie example because that's one of my favorite ones to talk about. We're like, first of all, probably spending a lot of money on these like superfood smoothies, right? And we're putting like all these powders in it that are like expensive, but like have amazing ingredients. And we're like, okay, like I'm going to be nourishing my body with this like jam-packed smoothie of spinach and like all these vegetables and like all these fruits and all these like superfood powders and it's cold and we're pouring it down our stomach. There's a couple of things that happen initially. First of all, we're not chewing it. We're not chewing our food and peristalsis, when we are chewing, our digestive enzymes in our stomach register what we're eating and they produce the enzymes that are required to break down the food that you're eating. So chewing is very important. We're getting rid of that altogether when we're drinking a smoothie, first of all. So we're drinking the smoothie, goes down into our stomach and then it's cold. So our stomach, which is an internal organ, it's warm, is going to be like, what the heck? Like, what is this? Like, first of all, it has to heat up the smoothie to the same temperature as your stomach in order to even begin breaking it down. And then at that point, we only have so much energy, right? Just like everything. We're not robots. Our body is like, okay, I use like 50% of my energy to heat this up. Now I only have a little bit of energy left, especially if you're having any digestive issues already. Maybe it only has like 5% energy left to even break down the food. So all of a sudden you're bloated. You haven't digested any of the food that you just put down into your stomach. And you know, all those superfood ingredients, no point. Like they're not even being integrated within your body because there's no energy left. 
So that's my biggest reason for the smoothie aspect. However, it's always like 90% do your best, 10% live your life. Like we want to always like live with that joy and like that spirit component is very, very integral. But little hot tip for everyone listening, if you are a smoothie girly or if you want to enjoy smoothies, something I told Mimi is chew your smoothie, which sounds so funny, but just have a sip, keep it in your mouth for a second, then swallow it. Like do your stomach a favor and heat it up a little bit. I also have clients who still do the smoothie thing and they just do like a room temperature smoothie. And that's absolutely fine as well because you can actually start integrating some of those amazing ingredients that you are taking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Okay. Now in this next kind of phase of the podcast, I want to read out some of your Instagram posts okay. and have you talk about that post and go into more depth. Okay, I'm down. The first one I want to read out is every physical symptom has an emotional root cause. Digestive distress equals weak boundaries. Trouble eliminating equals trouble letting go. Stubborn weight equals self-protection. Acne equals self-judgment. Hair loss equals separation, conflict, and loss of identity. Tell me about this post. So like I said, every single physical expression of the body, so any sort of symptom that we are dealing with has an emotional root cause. I know that that's what I exactly said on the post. But what I mean by that is, and I'm sure this really ties into your work as well, Mimi, with our subconscious and our mind and really the way that we speak to ourselves. But if we are, let's talk about the stomach. I think that sounds exciting. I think a lot of women deal with stomach issues, digestive issues. I think I saw like a little post recently that was like all hot girls have digestive distress or something. (laughs) And it cracked me up because I feel like it's just so common. So basically our spleen meridian, like I said, which is where our digestive fire comes from, it's where digestion comes from, is very much related to how we, yes, digest food, but we also digest our emotional experiences. So that's why I like to teach my clients when you are around the holidays in particular, yes, we're eating foods that are not normal for us. And so maybe that affects our digestion. But I would say even more so than that, we're in like these uncomfortable, maybe family dynamics, or we're really triggered by family dynamics, or there's all these expectations. So your emotional digestion decreases, which is going to decrease your physical assimilation and digestion of food. So everything is very connected. And I mean, even like I said, the way we speak to ourselves about certain scenarios of let's say, you know, something really triggering happened and I'm having a really hard time breaking down the emotional aspects of it. So I go to sleep and I'm laying in bed and I'm obsessing, you know, I'm ruminating. My thoughts are just like churning over like whatever happened, whatever situation, same thing's going to be happening in my body. So that's where you get like the bloating because your body's just like trying to digest food, like trying, 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 trying. And you're just like inflammation, bloating, like all the digestive distress issues. So this isn't something I made up. (laughs) This is rooted in Chinese medicine originally. So in Chinese medicine, which is the oldest form of medicine, every single physical expression has an emotional root. So every single meridian within their body, for example, the spleen, the digestive system is rooted to fear. So we're even seeing that proven now in Western medicine where we're seeing lots of studies being done on anxiety and how rooted it is in our gut, in our second brain. Our liver is related to anger. A lot of the time, repressed anger, which is where we see hormonal imbalances really coming out. Our lungs are really related to sadness. And we can see that in someone who is grieving and is sighing a lot, or even just, you know, the exhale being related to depression, right? And the inhale being more related to anxiety. So we see all of this in modern medicine. It's just we aren't really making the ties 
as well as perhaps they used to and putting as much emphasis on the emotional component as perhaps they used to. So hopefully this is a good explanation, but in every single physical expression, we have an emotional root cause that we need to be taking responsibility for, even though as humans, we're just like, give me the bandaid fix, give me like the three-step plan. The last thing I want to deal with is my emotions. If we want the integrative approach, if we want to embrace the responsibility of the human experience and becoming the best version of yourself you possibly can, we do need to be taking this integrative look at what's going on in our bodies and how we can really show up for ourselves more. Absolutely. So the next one is PSA, your period pain may be linked to your tampon use. Did you know that the standard tampon includes toxins such as dioxins and furans? These chemicals are known carcinogens and endocrine disruptors. Tampons. We all use tampons. (laughs) Tell me about this. Yes, I'll tell you all the things. Okay, first thing I want to say is we're talking about the liver. So the liver, all it wants to do when you're on your period is bleed. That's literally its only job. And so if you literally have something obstructed up there, blocking your blood from actually flowing out of your body, your body is going to be like, what the heck? Like, what is even happening? That is not a normal thing at all. Keeping blood inside of your body when your body's trying to get rid of it is like, basically it's like a slap in the face to the liver. Who's like I said, trying to just take care of you and do its job. So I really recommend no menstrual cups, no tampons, unless you are like going to a Pilates class for an hour and you need to use one, or you know, you're going swimming at the lake for a few hours. Or if there's obviously a situation where you want to obviously choose joy first, you don't want to like stop living your life just because of your period. But if you are just going to be doing something briefly, like yes, use a tampon, use a cup, like whatever, it's totally fine. But I definitely would opt for organic pads You know, I would love to say that I do period underwear or I have found a brand that I love. I really haven't. So far, all of them are like very much polyester, like not very clean. So I haven't found a brand that I love yet. Still looking. However, yeah, period pads are are definitely the play and you want to make sure that they're organic because, oh my goodness, the amount of toxins that are in period products are absolutely absurd and definitely contribute to your imbalance because our liver is responsible for our period for our blood flow. It's also responsible for filtering out toxins. So it's like, again, kind of a slap in the face. If your period product has a lot of toxins in it, it's going to make your period way worse. So tying back in something I forgot to mention about the tampons is if you really have that obstruction up there, your body is going to actually try and push harder to like get the blood out because it doesn't think it's getting out. And so you will likely have a lot worse cramps as well. So Oh, wow. I've actually noticed that. So I use organic tampons sometimes if I'm like running around or whatnot. I actually do like the period panties. I have tried a few brands, but like I really do like them and I don't really use pads. So I either use tampons Mm -hmm. or that. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I use tampons, I definitely notice the cramps get worse. Totally. It's a thing. And it makes sense, right? When we kind of describe Yeah. When we start remembering that we have a body, (laughs) which sounds so funny, but as humans in our current culture, we just think that we have heads like floating heads. It's easy to forget about our body and all the things it does for us. And so weird and ironic that a lot of the times we want to outsource what is already within us. So for example, that like cramping, you know, of just being like, oh, well, I'm going to use this tampon and I'm going to take an Advil for my cramping instead of just like not using the tampon, like allowing your body to do what it was designed to do will take care of the symptoms almost if not every time. Oh, 
such a good conversation. Like I'm loving this so much, so much value in the past 45 minutes. I am so into that. We have so much more to cover, but I just want to say this is like such a good episode. I just, I love everything that we're learning right now. So the next Instagram post, how many of your symptoms are due to a lack of creativity? The reproductive system is the creative center. Paint, draw, dance, step into a state of creative flow and don't be surprised when your flow changes. Okay, so let's talk about this one. So your womb space as a feminine being is the center. It's the seat of creation on this planet, right? As women, we can bring new life into the world. We can take something like sperm and create a human, right? So we can do that exact same thing with everything. Like there's that corny quote of like, you make a house a home, like a woman makes a house a home, you know, a woman can make ingredients into a meal, like whatever it is, like a woman can take an idea and turn it into a flourishing business like you have maybe. Like we have the capacity within ourselves as creative beings to really do anything. And a lot of times we forget about that. Like I said, just a minute ago, we can become such heady people. Like we can really, really just live in our head 24 seven very, very easily in our current culture. So remembering to connect with our womb can be transformational for all aspects of life. I would say especially and including business. Yes, definitely fertility. But when you are trying to create literally anything, whether you're an artist, entrepreneur, a mom, whatever your role is in this life, whatever your dream is, the way that you're going to get closer to what you're wanting to create is by dropping more into your body rather than into your head. So that's really something I think we can get confused in. And like I said, get very much in our brain space and very much lost in this achieving, doing like three-step process, like all these things of, you know, even manifestation can become very masculine. Remembering instead to drop into our womb, create awareness in our body, learn to expand our nervous system to hold more sensation because in that expansion, not only are we holding more emotion, but we're also holding more creativity. We're holding more money. We're holding more abundance. We're holding more love. And all of that is accessible within tuning in instead of tuning up, tuning out. And I think there's a lot of intention there. You have to really, really create moments of tuning in because otherwise we get so lost in the day to day. Such a great reminder that you can actually create more by doing less. I still don't know if I fully believe in it, but <laughs> in my own life, I've really seen it. But then I, my logical brain says, how is that possible? You need to work harder. You need to do more. But then the, the moments that I'm just so in tune with my energy, with that abundant frequency, things come effortlessly. Exactly. It's so true. And yeah, this is why we get to work with so many business owners is because it happens really organically within my practice. Because I think so many women are longing for that. So many women are longing to do less and receive more. And I feel like innately we know that, that we hear it and we're like, yes. But then when it comes to actually doing it is when it can be very triggering and uncomfortable because we're really going against societal programming of this like masculine energy of like do, 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 do all the time in order to succeed. But what it comes down to is your nervous system. So I'm going to hold up a couple little cups here. So this is how I described it to a client yesterday is if this is your nervous system and this is your nervous system, it's very small because you're so busy doing all the time. You're like, go, 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 go. You're not holding very much sensation within your body, but you want to be holding this much love. This is a big cup that I'm holding. So you want to be holding like a lot of like love and money and success, but this is your nervous system. So if I poured all of this water into this cup, it's not going to fit, right? 
So instead, in order to really hold this amount, you have to expand your nervous system from the small cup to this big cup. So the way to do that, there's many ways, but really the way to start doing that is kind of like even what we were talking about, we were talking about relationships is start to expand into sensation of like somatic experience within your body. So what can you actually hold without collapsing? So this can be a lot of different things. You can look at this with your emotional relationship, with love of, oh, how can I hold this a dichotomy of this is the way he's doing it, but this is the way I want it done. How can you hold that within your body without collapsing and without repressing? So you don't want to just stuff it down and be like, oh, this is a yucky feeling. But you also, at the same time, you don't want to collapse as far as being like, you know, maybe barking at your partner or, you know, breaking down crying because you're like, oh my gosh, you're doing this wrong. And that's just a small example, but we can look at that with money as well, like your capacity to hold the sensation of receiving money. So if you just got paid, how can you and your nervous system hold the money instead of being like, woo, I just got paid and then just like buying a ton of stuff that day and then all of a sudden you're at zero. Yeah, so just sitting with the emotion and being more in your body and going slower. I love this. So Rachel, I'd love to move into our quick fire round. Awesome. Okay, I think I'm ready. What is your go-to breakfast for hormone balance? Yeah, I would recommend congee. Congee is my favorite go-to breakfast. So if you haven't heard of it, it's a Chinese medical sort of like breakfast. It's basically overcooked white rice with bone broth. And then I like to do green onions, mushrooms, peppers. Sometimes I'll do an egg or like shredded chicken on top. Ooh, I've never had that. That sounds really delicious. Very good. Yeah. Okay. What is the first thing you do in the morning to set the tone for your day? I love that. So normally for me, it's something very simple. I think when I was, like I said, in my boss babe era, I was like that girl who had like like 10 step morning routine and I have since realized how very masculine that is and how much that makes me feel not good in my body and definitely not a great way to wake up. Makes me feel like I'm already starting my day working with like a to-do list. So normally just really checking in. And I know that that sounds so simple, but really checking in with my body. So taking a moment, sitting down with like a warm tea, taking some deep breaths into my body and asking myself what I'm really needing for that day. Honestly, I'm on the same page. Everyone listening knows, well, listeners of this, regular listeners of this podcast know that I used to have such an intense morning routine and I am so much more calm about it now. And it really, I just trust myself a bit more. Like I don't need rules to be quote good and to quote achieve. I can have, you know, a close connection with my intuition and what I need that morning and still have a great day and be productive. Right. What is a supplement that you think every woman should consider? Oh, definitely beef liver capsules. Yes. That is my bread and butter. Are you still taking them? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, when I remember most of the time. <laughs> it's honestly amazing for everything. It's like a woman's multivitamin, really helps with your skin. It's like an internal retinol, essentially. It really helps with like anti-aging, high energy. Honestly, if I don't, there's I really never don't take it. But if there's a day where I don't take it, I'm like, oh, I feel like a little bit more like not high energy today. So it's like sustained energy, which is amazing. And it really does help balance your hormones. So that's my number one. What is your go-to exercise for feeling grounded and balanced? Recently, Pilates has been my favorite exercise. And then I want to also say breath work with Pilates. So my Pilates instructor in particular does a lot of breath work. I have done Pilates in the past where they don't. I think breath work for me really helps me get in touch with that womb space of creation, especially as a business owner. That's something that's really important for me to always be in touch with. So really any sort of mindful movement that includes breathing. 
how to de-stress when you're overwhelmed and in that fight or flight mode. Okay. I would say shaking your body or dancing. Some way to release that stuck, stagnant energy from your body and also get you to shift from your head into your womb. Beautiful. What is one of your guilty pleasures that is part of your 10%? (laughs) Ooh, okay. I love this question. There's so many things. Like, truly, I have at least one skincare product that I'm like, this is like a medical, maybe two medical grade skincare products. I'm like, these are my... These are my skincare things. I'm trying to think of what they're called, like what brand it is, but it's essentially like an exfoliating peel pad and then a like face mask that's more of like acid based. So more of the like stripping sort of skincares and then retinol. So those are like my skincare ones that I'm like, those are my non-negotiable 10%. However, I don't use them every day. Probably like once every couple of weeks sort of thing. And then dark chocolate is for sure definitely one of my 10%. I literally have dark chocolate every day. I love dark chocolate. Me too. Coffee versus tea. Which one and why? Tea. Tea, of course. Tea 100%. I am a tea person. I really love matcha a lot, especially like a high quality matcha. Very much appreciate that. I had Earl Grey tea this morning. I love tea. I think it's very, very grounding. Also me as a person, I'm already a recovering perfectionist, recovering type A very much like I have my own business. You know, I'm very, very driven. So that being said, for me, coffee is too much. It's just sensory overload. Like I'm already a bit of a hummingbird energetically. So it just isn't the best for me. I can feel myself like shifting into like too much anxiety. So I think it's really important to have a pulse on like each individual's, you know, barometer of energy. But for me, tea, 100%. What is one food you should never eat? Soy products, no soy products. Soy products. Yeah. <gasps> okay, so that's tofu. That's tell us like where people can find that and, and why to avoid it. Good question. So tofu, any sort of tofu, a lot of people will say fermented tofu is good for you. It's still soy. It's not good for you, especially, well, men and women, but I, I focus on women. So I was going to say especially women because we already are high estrogen, low progesterone. Like that is our constant battle. So if you're literally eating estrogenic food, it's just going to make it harder on your body. Also very inflammatory, very linked to breast cancer in particular, but lots of different cancers. So edamame, I think that's one that's really overlooked. Edamame is a soy product. That's one that we forget about. Soy sauce, right? Like anything with soy, fake meat, like fake meat is like a no-go, but that's obviously soy-based as well. What's one hormonal health myth that needs to be debunked? Honestly, what's coming up for me is like all the Band-Aid fixes. I think that's the most important thing is like stay clear from the Band-Aid fixes. And I know that it's very much a part of our consciousness to want a quick fix, but there's no such thing as a quick fix. Anything that is marketed as a quick fix is going to be a Band-Aid fix. It's the exact same thing. So if you're taking a supplement for the purpose of like DIM, for example, that's very trendy. If you're taking like DIM and you're like, oh, this is helping my my symptoms, it's actually not. When we look at band-aid fixes, it's like, I like to compare it to if your bathtub is overflowing and you're sitting there scooping water out instead of turning the water off. That's a really good answer and a good analogy. All right. My last question for you is yes. your future self. Where is Rachel 10 years from now? I love talking about the future self. I love talking about becoming the person you're meant to be. Give me a breakdown. Where do you want to be in 10 years? If everything goes right in your world, where are you 10 years from today? Oh, I love that so much. I could, I'm could. i like trying to decide how specific I want to get here. I'm a non-specific manifester, so maybe I'll be a little bit less specific. I know I want to have babies. 
So hopefully 10 years from now, I will have a family. I have such a vision for restoring Eve, but I want to be doing retreats, doing a lots of like getting women together in beautiful places to have amazing conversations like this one. Because I think that sometimes we forget how similar we all are. And I think that in community, women have always healed. So continuing to grow my business, hopefully in 10 years, it will be just ginormous and like a whole movement by then living with my family. Beautiful. Who knows where? I want to come to one of those retreats. I'd love that. Yes, me too. Okay, and last but not least, where can everyone find you? Everyone go follow Rachel on Instagram. I love your account. You always post such high value content. Find me on Instagram at restoring.eve. I also have a podcast that just launched this past week. So Restoring Eve, you can find me on Spotify, everywhere. Everywhere (sighs) the podcasts are, I am there. And then my website is restoringeve.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I love this episode. I love it too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, we have hundreds more like it. So don't forget to subscribe and rate the show to ensure more episodes get targeted to you when you open up your podcast app. Bye for now.